You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Ah, we got another week underway here on Birds 365, your off-season home for Philadelphia Eagle talk and information and opinion. And we are in the heart of the off-season. But we'll find stuff to talk about for you every two hours, uh, Monday through Friday, right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We are the Mac and Mac guys. I'm Jody McDonald. He's my partner, John McMullen. How was your weekend, Johnny Mac? I was good, Jody. Uh, you know, we had this murderer's row of birthdays, as I described it. And that's why I got Paul Domowitz to come on the show, because it started with Dama. Dama was uh, uh, June 11th, so I guess that was Friday. I was June 12th, so that's Saturday. Your birthday then, was over the weekend? How did I not know that? Because I don't bring it up. Because when you're, you're, when you're as old as me, you don't celebrate these things. But I just thought it was funny, because I keep saying it. So 13th, June 13th. Is Sealski, who, by the way, our buddy Mike Sealski is still getting killed on Twitter every day. For what? Uh, these, these trolls go after Mike. Uh, June 13th is Sealski. June 14th, I don't want to bring up who it is, but it's a very famous person. So I went with Boy George. I don't want to get political. That gives you a hint. Uh, June 15th, Nick Sirianni. That is a murderer's row of birthdays right, right there. How did you get so in tuned with birthdays? Well, that, Facebook. You know, Facebook? I'm, friends, I'm friends with Tom on Facebook, so I, I realized it was his birthday. I know my birthday. Then Sielski wrote uh, a column yesterday uh, and said, it's my birthday. You have to read this column. So I figured out it was his birthday. Uh, June 14th, I looked up because I couldn't think of anyone. It was June 14th, and there is a very firm, famous person. His okay. birthday is June 14th. And then June 15th, is, I knew, was Nick Sirianni's birthday. So I just had to fill in. The okay. Very good. Uh, you had a good day, good uh, weekend celebrating birthdays, and you will continue to do so during this week. By the way, my birthday January, so you don't have to sweat it. Don't have to worry about it? Months. Yeah, it would have been perfect if it was June 14th. I feel 100% bad that I didn't know your birthday was over the weekend. I would have gotten you something, so I owe you something. So That's, uh, put that uh, in your back perfectly pocket. Perfectly fine know that I owe you, uh, but uh, don't expect it today because, <laughs> yeah, I'm not in a good mood today. Uh-oh. Not because it's the Eagle offseason and we're reaching for stuff to talk about and because the Eagles once again stuck it in our ear by uh, coming out with an announcement on a Friday about an hour and a half after we get off the air. They can't do these things on Thursday. 
They can't give us a chance. No, you got to wait for the entire weekend before we get to talk about Richard Rogers. We'll get back to that in a second. No, I'm in a bad mood because um, I have to go have blood drawn today. I'm going to oh. the doctor later this week. Well, that um, understands it. I am I'm drinking black coffee. Are you a black coffee guy? I don't even know. No, I'm not. I, I need some kind of a half and half, uh, but I'm not a sugar guy. I'm more of a, a one sweetener type of guy, even though it's probably not good for you. I'm a, I'm a sweet and low guy. And uh, yes, I do like cream in my coffee. And I've been drinking it black for the better part of an hour now already. And you're allowed to drink black coffee and have your blood taken, but you got to do 12 hours of fasting. So I haven't had my uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. I didn't get an English muffin this morning. Breakfast has gone by the wayside. So I'm hungry and I'm drinking coffee that I don't really uh, like to taste. Yeah, of. When you're not used to the bitterness, it it, it, it sneaks up on you, man. Oh, it man. Sneaks it sneaks up is, on you. It is tough, but I need my influx of caffeine so I can uh, just keep up with you for the next two hours. So, yes, I'm drinking. I'm the exact black. opposite. I don't drink coffee until we get off the air because... I, I drink water, as everyone knows, on the air to keep hydrated because I got to keep up with you. You never know. I don't like I don't like to, when I drink coffee, you get kind of, you know, choked up at times. I don't know. Something goes on with your I, I, I'm not. So when I'm on the air, I only drink water unless I'm at a bar and pretty girl wants to buy you. Dur during the uh, morning, I drink coffee. During the rest of the day, you're right. I drink water when I'm on the air, too. But you got to get the caffeine first thing in the morning. I'm sorry. I need it, have for 40, 50 years now. So, I, well, no, I shouldn't even say 40 years because I didn't start drinking coffee until I was well into my 20s. Never drank coffee as a kid until I got to college. And it were well, you shouldn't it, drink it as a kid, I don't think. I, mm. I, I didn't. My parents, good parents, I guess, uh, didn't offer coffee and I never got coffee. Uh, and, uh, even, even when I was at college, when everybody was drinking it to stay on top of, uh, being able to stay up 12 straight hours, uh, to, to be able to study and get ready for tests. I was never a coffee guy. Didn't start till after I was out into the, the Not probably even later than you. I, I was probably in my thirties before really? I went full blown coffee. Yeah. No, I was late. I can tell you exactly when I started drinking coffee heavy. I was working at ESPN, behind the scenes, uh, production assistant, associate producer. We used to play basketball in the morning uh, once a week. We got a gym that we were uh, paying for to be able to go in scrimmage and get 12, 15 guys to play. And yeah, we were up till two o'clock in the morning the night before working on Sports Center, and then we had to play hoops the next morning. Only time we'd get to gym was nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning, dragging my you know what out of bed. Yeah, I needed a little help, so my buddy said, "Let me get you a coffee." And then I started drinking coffee, and I've been drinking it forty years ever since. And I must have it before I get on with Johnny Mac, otherwise I can't keep up. But it's black today, so I'm not in the best of moods. Uh, so uh, the Eagles, as I said, stepped us, screwed us by making their announcement on Friday afternoon. Richard Rogers is back. Something that both Johnny Mac and I agreed would probably happen at some point. I had fear all throughout the offseason that someone else was going to scoop him up. I'm assuming the Richard Rogers haters will say, yeah, we, we, we took him because there was no one else left because he couldn't get on uh, with another team. Uh, he's one of those guys, much like Greg Ward. I will judge production rather than athleticism. I know he's not the fastest tight end. I know he's not going to jump up and make one-handed catches like Odell Beckham. 
He's not a spring chicken anymore. Now into his late 20s after his couple of years with Green Bay and his last couple of years here with the Eagles. But he makes plays. He he catches big balls. He moves the chains. And yes, if Zach Ertz is going to be elsewhere, although let me note again, Zach Ertz still here. Uh, With every passing week that Zach Ertz isn't traded, I will continue to remind Eagle fans, he's not gone till he's gone, okay? Even though we all assume it's going to happen at some point, the fact that Richard Rodgers is here to pick up the slack, I think is a very good thing for the Eagles. Oh, yeah. He played very well last season, Jody. But I agree with you. At times, this league is very weird. Uh, I, I mean, they do say, well, yeah, Richard played really well last year, but he's not a good athlete. He can't do this. He can't do that. He, he's slow. Uh, he's not a great blocker. But he does every. He's one of those guys that does everything competently, uh, but doesn't do it uh, eye-poppingly. If I want to create a word, uh, and we know how people in this league are slaves to athleticism and slaves to whatever it is, the stopwatch, uh, the three-cone drill for yep. uh, defensive linemen, whatever. They, they're, they're literal slaves to it. And they say, well, this guy, it's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again because he can't do this. He can't do that. And meanwhile, he's just better than everybody else you got, with the exception of Dallas Goddard. Now, you say the same thing with Greg Ward. Same, you're, you're right. Uh, this is a good comparison. Greg's a little bit younger uh, and he's under the cost-effective deal. So things are a little bit easier for him as far as making the roster. But this is where, if you fast-forward a couple years, this is where Greg Ward is going to be. And he's going to be getting these one-year contracts, and they're saying, well, we got to do this. we got to get somebody better. And then somebody's going to bring him in, maybe Philadelphia, maybe somewhere else. Uh, the second part, though, with Richard Rodgers is, if you look at the Eagles receiver position, well, they drafted a kid in the second round. Then they drafted a kid in the first round. Then they drafted Devontae Smith. They keep going with these high profile picks. They had nobody else at tight end. Unless you're talking about Zach Ertz, and we all assume he's not going to be here. So after Dallas got it, you know, they got undrafted. We're talking about Jack Stoll last week as the leader in the clubhouse as an undrafted free agent. You have Tyree Jackson, who's a developmental ex-quarterback. Hakeem Butler, who's a developmental ex-wide receiver. And then guys like Justin, Jason Kroon, I can't even get his name right half the time. And 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 Caleb Wilson. Nothing, Jody, nothing. So I say this all the time about NFL teams. You go into off-season work and you say, you're, you're really excited about these young players, developmental players, could be a draft pick, could be a Tyree Jackson, and you get them in a camp. And even camps like the Eagles had where there's no teamwork, you can, say, you can learn pretty quickly about a guy and say, okay, this guy can't play, so you better get Richard Rodgers on the phone. That's what happened. The, the Eagles got together. They have no tight ends they're comfortable with other than Dallas Goddard. And they said, we better get Richard Rodgers on the phone before somebody does have an injury right. in another city and picks up the phone. That's kind of what happens. Do you think the fact that we waited this long, because I am a Richard Rodgers fan, and he had the season that he had last year, and he made some big plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you are of the mindset that Zach Ertz isn't going to be here and all of the other receiver uh, tight ends that you have in camp are projects or maybes at best with no NFL history to uh, make a case for them. 
do you think the reason that it took them this long to do so was the fact that this is a new coaching staff? The the coaching staff that Richard Rodgers performed for last year is no longer here. So the Eagle coaching staff had to be uh, schooled, informed, brought up to speed that, you know, Richard Rodgers did pretty well for us last year. You guys want to go back and crunch the tape on him again? Because we're thinking about reaching out to him, that uh, collaborative tie between the coaching staff and the front office. Do you think that's the reason why we waited this long for Richard yeah. Rodgers to get signed? It could be a, a part of it, because if you're outside the building, you're going to say the same thing everybody else says. Well, this guy's not good enough from an athletic standpoint, from a spider grab standpoint. We got it in again, Jody. I'm going to do that every <laughs> week. He's not good enough from that standpoint. And this coaching staff doesn't have a history with them. They don't know the intangibles. They don't know the things he was able to do. Pro football focus, you know, I, I find this hilarious. They kill pro football focus Eagles fans, a lot of Eagles fans, when they say Jalen Hurts is 31st of 32nd. They hate the Eagles. They hate the Eagles. They hate the Eagles. Guess what? Richard Rodgers was the second best tight end in football. The second best tight end in football. Granted, in limited snaps, it was Travis Kelsey, then it was Richard Rodgers. That's how effective he was. And the uh, granted limited number of snaps he did have, it was about 250, somewhere in that range. So he didn't play a ton, but when he played, he was good. He was good. And I don't understand NFL teams to the day I die. I will never understand NFL teams. They all think the same way, which is funny because they all talk about innovation, but they're all in this little group think bubble that says, well, you got to hit this number. You got to hit this number to be a tight end. You don't hit this number. You can't be a tight end in this league, even though they watch this guy from an opponent standpoint and from obviously an Eagle standpoint play effectively. And then I think if you're Howie Roseman, you know the, how the rest of the league looks at this guy. You know, he was in Washington last year. People forget he signed with the Washington football team last year and he got cut. Uh, and, and the Eagles brought him back because they said, guess what? We need a third tight end. We can't find a third tight end. Now he's going to have to be the second tight end, uh, more likely than not. But that's, uh, I, I mean, I, if I could, if anyone, if anyone could figure out why NFL teams think the way they think, please contact all of us because it is head-shaking at times. And while I have my own personal opinions about pro football focus, at certain times, the information you can get from them, the opinion, the rankings, the ratings that you get for them is uh, spot on. And you can find one where, all right, maybe I need to take another look at this guy because their number crunching is saying he's doing better than I realize with my own eyes as I watch on Sundays. I, I don't take what pro football focus says as Bible. Some people do, which I think is wrong. Some people are just dismissive of it, and they have no idea what they're talking about. How can they possibly come up with that? Well, there's a reason behind what they're saying, and you have to give it at least some consideration. Richard Rogers is a prime example of why you can't just accept everything they say. They, their method of uh, rating and ranking players doesn't factor in 
the fact that he played as few snaps as he did. He played them effectively, but yeah. I personally believe if you played Richard Rodgers that much more, his overall production yeah. would Diminishing probably drop return. down. I agree with you. Now, one of the problems that I have with pro football focus, and I say this all the time, is that a, a lot of the context is lost. But as long as you know what you're looking at, it's very good. In other words, I always say the one thing I say about pro football focus is if they say someone is playing well, they're playing well. If they say someone is playing poorly, they're playing poorly. Now, there could be reasons for that. There could be reasons. There could be context loss in that. And I know coaches have told me this flat out in the past. They don't know somebody's fighting through injury. They don't know that uh, that kid probably shouldn't be playing, but he's playing because he's tough and he's better than our other options. And he's not looking good on the field, but it's still our best option. Like that's not factored in. No. And you're right. Diminishing returns. The more Richard, if Richard Rogers plays as much as Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and, and Dallas got it, he's not going to be as effective as those players. But you should have some common sense. You should understand that going in. What we're saying is in those 246 snaps, he played effectively. He played really effectively. And as a backup tight end, that's what you're looking for. As as a starting tight end, then you could bring in those other uh, parts to the equation. Yeah, he's not fast enough. He's not going to threaten um, other teams' defenses. He's not going to pancake guys like George Kittle. Um, but as a backup tight end, the Eagles are smart enough to know that definition. They should be smart enough to know that definition. The rest of the NFL should be smart enough to know that definition. And, yeah, while he was on the street this late, while you're bouncing around trying to figure out if Tyree – oh, I love Tyree Jackson. I love Jack Stoll. Get out of here with that nonsense. That's you can't even make it to training camp without panicking. That's why Richard Rodgers is back in Philadelphia, and I think it's a good thing. I won't be predicting that he'll be the second most productive tight end in the National Football League, as pro football focus might – but he's going to help the Eagles because he did last year. And I think he should be able to do so. Looks like he had some chemistry with Jalen Hurts, made plays late in the season. So uh, I think a solid signing for the Eagles this past weekend. And now we wait and now we wait and now we wait some more. And it's going to take a while as we get through the summer with no football, which by the way, the Eagles could have been working this week. They chose not to, they blew off their mandatory mini camp. I'm still not 100% sure why they did that. And that's something that John and I will get to a little later in the show. Um, but before you know it, camp will be here. And before you know it, they'll start playing preseason games. And before you know that, the regular season will arrive. And the Eagles will open up the season on the road against the Atlanta Falcons down in Atlanta. And uh, you and I decided to get a specific guest here for today's show. So you did a little homework over the weekend uh, a little research on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, are, are you feeling the pain? Do you believe that the Eagles have no shot this week? One, uh, a lot of who, who do we have on last week? Oh, uh, Bob Groats, who Bob said, Groats. Oh, if, they, <laughs> if they don't beat Atlanta, they could start the season. Oh, and nine, our buddy Bob Groats went. 
Well, is that Atlanta game winnable week one, John McMullen? I do think it's winnable. The more I look at this Atlanta team, I, I see a rebuilding team. I see a transitioning team. Maybe Arthur Blank wants to call it down there. And we're going to talk about the Falcons with D. Orlando Ledbetter. But I will say this, Jody Mack. Look, I don't get the thought process. I think if you bring back Matt Ryan, you should bring back Julio Jones. But And we'll talk to D about this. I, 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 Julio just forced himself out. So it is an interesting transition phase. And obviously Kyle Pitts, who is a, an area kid, Archbishop Wood. I, I mean, people are talking about him as being am, amongst the most talented tight ends of all time. We are just talking about tight ends. Is he even going to play tight end? It's going to be a glorified X receiver as far as I'm concerned. He's replacing Julio Jones. So we'll, we'll see how it works out. We'll talk to D about that. D Orlando Ledbetter covers the Falcons uh, all year long for the Atlanta Journal-Constitutional will be our first guest. Yes, Eagle fans, we're getting prepped for the season. It's going to start down in Atlanta against the Falcons. So we'll start talking about that game next with D Orlando Ledbetter, Falcons beat reporter. He joins us here on Birds. 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. 
It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Kickoff a football week here on Birds 365. Good Monday to you, everybody. The Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, hanging with you. Uh, we are going to punch our first guest of the day up. Since the season seems so far off, we thought at least talking about it would make us feel like it's just around the corner. Uh, we need some Atlanta Falcon perspective. And for that, we bring in D. Orlando Ledbetter. He's been covering the Falcon for years down there for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Good enough to jump aboard with us this morning. How are you, D? Hey, I'm doing great, Jody and John. Thanks for having me this morning. D, love the energy. I was hoping for the bow tie. And people <laughs> should listen to D's uh, podcast as well. The Bow Tie Chronicles. I love that uh, at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, and D, we want to talk to you about, I think it's there's such an interesting interconnection with the Falcons and Eagles. Mm-hmm. They play each other week one, but they also have rookie head coaches, and Arthur Smith is down there. And the Falcons went about their offseason work in a a different way. They had minicamp. They're still doing on-field work. They have OTAs, I think, this week, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, How important has that been for Arthur Smith to establish his culture as a young coach uh, in the NFL? Yeah, very important. Uh, You know, they have the final week of OTAs uh, this week. Uh, Calvin Ridley, we have an open session today. That's why I know bow tie. I got to go outside. And <laughs> uh, so, 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 yeah, it's been very important for him to install his uh, his schemes, his formations, and just get it to the point where uh, when they come back for training camp, they're not thinking about it. They at least have the, the basics of it memorized. So, you know, they're trying to do the little things, break the huddles, clap hands, get to the line lined up right, you know, and, and no offsides and, and just the little bitty things about football, and then they can build off of that. How much, D, does the fact that you've got a new coaching staff, top to bottom, new head coach, and the entire staff with them, does that make the difficult uh, chore they're going to have this season playing without Julio Jones, who has been an all-time great for the organization and a uh, stalwart for the last several years, you're taking him out of the mix is it actually a plus for a new coach that if it had been the uh, coaching staff that was there that went to the Super Bowl and they were trying to get all along with Julio Jones, does it, because it's a clean sever from the past, make it easier to get into the future without Julio Jones? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so, Jody. I'm of the school of thought that you want to keep your best players. You know, it's about the players and, uh, uh, you know, whoever's going in there for Julio is not going to be Julio. Even if Kyle Pitts does uh, take over that role, it won't be this year. So um, I'm out of school of thought that as a new coach coming in, I want to keep all the good players. The players that can't play, y'all can go. The players that can play, stay. <laughs> it's real simple. So I don't know what happened here, but I, I wouldn't uh, say they're going to be better because Julio's gone. Well, let's get into that then, D, because from the outside looking in, I think if you make the decision at number four overall, 
okay, we still have a good quarterback in Matt Ryan. He's 36, but other players have proven you can play well deep into your 30s, even your 40s. So it's a different era. So if you make that decision, wouldn't it make the most sense to bring Julio back, bring the band back? So was it, was it more of the player forcing himself out than anything else? Because, you know, bring him back if you're bringing Matt Ryan back. Yeah, I think it was more of the player forcing his way out. Uh, didn't believe in, uh, in what the new regime was coming in with. Uh, so, yeah, I do believe that, although we don't have that on the record anywhere other than him going on the radio or on that the one show saying, I'm out of there. We don't know what happened leading up to that. Uh, both sides have been guarded in that regard. But, um, yeah, something really messy happened within the organization. It's been going on since uh, Matt Ryan's contract, uh, the six-year 150, and then Julio goes back in the next year. He wants more money all of a sudden. So uh, it's been a, a fight within the organization for a while, and it came to a head this offseason with this uh, request for the trade. I'm going to ask you to do a little revisionist history here, and we acknowledge that it's revisionist. <laughs> the Falcons were this close to taking down a championship. They kind of folded up, and the biggest uh, come-from-behind win in Super Bowl history by the Patriots, but they almost did take down a championship. And then they rewarded their star players, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, with big contracts, and they didn't really sniff the Super Bowl again. It didn't get the job done. Uh, looking back in 2020 hindsight, did that trip to the Super Bowl actually end up hurting this franchise? Or do you have to take it as, hey, we were that close. It was a great year. All right, it's kind of screwed. It's going forward. But, hey, it was a great year. How do you look at uh, what transpired after the Falcons just missed in the Super Bowl? Yeah, in 2020 retrospect, it was a fantastic year. And the, <laughs> the follow-up year was pretty strong, too. They they uh, lose on the one-yard line in Philly, and the Eagles going to win yeah. that Super Bowl. So they had a good two-year run. But um, it fell apart not because they paid the offensive guys. It fell apart because they drafted poorly and signed poorly uh, in free agency. Uh, those games, you know, they were missing in the second round, third round, first round. Tack McKinley, Duke Riley, you know, those were guys that were supposed to come in and play on rookie contracts and be pretty good. But uh, the defense fell apart. The offense was still producing, but not at the high rate under Kyle Shanahan. And it kind of went off the rails here for Dan Quinn because of some poor drafting and some poor signings of uh, free agents, including Dante Fowler last year for three years, $45 million. Yeah, D, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan. He's so well-respected in this league from an offensive standpoint. So anytime you lose a coordinator like that, you're going to take a hit. Uh, I want to I fast-forward back to uh, Arthur Smith a little bit. I think one of the most important moves he was able to make was talking Dean Peace out of retirement to have sort of that veteran-sounding veteran board one of my criticisms of Nick Sirianni here is who's there's no veterans. There's no been there, done that on the coaching staff. How important has, has Dean, Dean Pease been for Arthur Smith in the early go? Oh, no question about it. Dean coming out of retirement was a big key for him. I think uh, Arthur's following uh, what Sean McVay did with the Rams when he brought Wade Phillips with him, you know, uh, 
a wealth of experience, a longtime coordinator. Uh, you know, Wade, of course, had been a head coach interim and head. So, um, you know, that was, you know, natural for him. But, uh, yeah, Dean Pease coming out of retirement. And it's also a veteran staff. It's a lot of, um, you know, NFL guys with a lot of NFL experience from the linebackers coach, Coach Bush, to the front line coach, um, Gary Emanuel, and then the Ted Monacino has been in the league forever, uh, coaching the outside linebackers and so forth. So these kids got to listen to these old older coaches who have a wealth of NFL experience and we'll see how they can blend a, a older veteran staff with a young football team, see if they can get them uh, competitive here in 2021. ID, I'm sure that Matt Ryan has the same attitude you have. If we've got good players, we should not get good, rid of good players like Julio Jones, and we'll miss him not playing with him again this upcoming season. But he is got to try and get the job done for the Falcons. Uh, did you get a chance to hear from him during the camps this year? What's Matt's attitude going into the season? They did add a big piece in Kyle Pitts, albeit a rookie and untested one, but one that most people believe had a chance to be a star in this league. What was Matt Ryan's attitude in this camp going into the season as the veteran QB? He was pretty much distraught, uh, Jody. He couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't wrap his arms around the fact that Julio was going to be leaving. He uh, was like, Julio's been the most significant person in my career here. I mean, he was down in the dump. Uh, but since it's all happened now, I'm thinking he's putting it back together and so forth. And uh, he couldn't even – he was like, hey, what would an offense look like without Julio Jones? And he couldn't give us anything. He hadn't even thought about that that could happen. And um, so, yeah, he he has he's having a tough offseason here, um, letting go of his, you know, top top receiver that he's had for uh, the last 10 years. You know, he had a pretty good one when he first started with, with Roddy White, and he'll have another pretty good one moving forward in Calvin Ridley. But, yeah, he couldn't wrap his arms around it uh, at the time we, we talked with him about, uh, you know, Julio leaving even possibly leaving, and, you know, and at that point, he just couldn't even do it. Well, Dave, let's talk about Calvin, because he's got to be the number one guy now. Uh, he did have, I think, some minor foot surgery recently. Do you think he's ready to take that step up? There's a big difference from being the guy and being number two. You know Julio's getting all that attention, all the double teams. Now Calvin Ridley, posing defensive coordinators are going to say, that's the guy we got to stop. First and foremost, do you think he's ready to take that next step? I think so. I, um, I've been watching him and uh, kind of sidetracking Marvin Harrison's career with his because uh, that's who he reminded me of uh, coming out of Alabama. And so last year the numbers were when Julio was out, seven games he missed, Calvin um, averaged 109 yards receiving in those games when he had the attention on him. So that's a good start. That's a good start. Uh now, if he can do that, and now I don't know when the, when he got those yards, were they in blowouts and them coming back, or were they competitive yards where, it, you know, the first defense was fighting to stop him really hard. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know how to do that without going back and watching every game. But, uh, yeah, the numbers suggest he's ready. He's been on a steady incline over the three years here and uh, went for uh, 1,300 yards last year. So, yeah, I think he's ready to take over at number one. 
It's going to be very interesting to see how the Falcons run their offense this year. Hayden Hurst is a, a solid tight end. I would say even above average tight end. And you go out and take uh, Kyle Pitts with the uh, fourth overall pick. That smells like a lot of 12 offense with two yeah. tight ends on the field this upcoming season for them. Or are they just going to not even try and hide it and just put Fred Pitts out and call him a wide receiver? How do you think the offense is going to look on the majority of the snaps for the Falcons this upcoming season as far as receivers go? Yeah, a lot of 12. Uh, I think 11 is a thing of the past here because you got so many tight ends. Uh, you know, a lot of Mike Davis and, uh, you know, maybe Quadri Allison out, out of the halfback spot. He's used to run the ball. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't have Derrick Henry here. But when they do throw, yeah, we've seen Kyle line up all over the place in the uh, open mini session. So uh, just as far as a traditional tight end role. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see that for him. It's a, a glorified, more like Jimmy Graham <laughs> with the Saints type role. Uh, he'll be moving around. I can see him in the slot sometimes, outside wide, uh, in line tight. Uh, but they're giving him everything, and he's a smart and sharp kid. So now they got to figure out what works. What's going to be? What are they going to be able to execute in a game at a high level with him? All right, D, you've gotten to see this rookie class a little bit. We all know about Cobb. We all know how talented he is, especially here in the Philadelphia area, mm -hmm. uh, coming from Archbishop Wood High School. But uh, the important draft picks as well with Richie Grant in the secondary. And also that offensive line doesn't look like a strength on paper. So guys like Jalen Mayfield, Drew Dahlman, how have they kind of looked early? Does it look too big for them? Are you impressed by this rookie class? Uh, yes, I am. I, I think Jalen has a chance to start at either Jalen Mayfield of Michigan left guard or right tackle. Uh, Drew Dahlman looks smallish to me. I'm going with Matt Hennessy at center for now, who was the third-round pick from Temple last year because, uh, you know, they, they haven't had on any pads, so they all look good out there. Yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so those two guys look good. Richie Grant's moving. Well, in the secondary, uh, you know, he'll be behind Eric Harris and Deron Harmon to start, uh, maybe get some nickel action early. Uh, but, yeah, I think those, uh, you know, those those three guys deeper in the class uh, have a shot to play. D, on the other side of the ball, uh, when the Falcons are on the field playing defense, I'll give them this much. They have given the draftees they've taken over the last several years – the chance to perform. They haven't given up on them and run out and signed uh, okay at best free agents, fill in the gap type guys, not star players. They've given their own young guys a chance to win jobs and perform and the like. It didn't go real well last year because the Falcons gave up uh, uh, one of the most uh, large number of points in the National Football League. Give Falcon fans a reason to believe that these, this defense will be better this year just because it's a year older. Yeah, they're going to – Um, uh, I counted on Saturday doing my depth chart. There's going to be six new starters over there, Uh, mm -hmm. you know, right now. So we'll see how it goes in training camp. But, yeah, they ran off all of the secondary, which, you know, made sense. They were 32nd against the pass. So they kept the one corner, uh, rookie corner from last year, A.J. Terrell, They'll have a whole new secondary. Um, you know, Isaiah Oliver might win a nickel job moving in from right corner. Fabian Moreau from Washington looks like he's got the right corner. And he got Harmon. 
and uh, Eric Harris at safety with Richie Grant coming. So the back end should be a little bit tighter. That's one thing. You can't give up 292 yards passing a game. That's just you can't do that. And so, but the part of the other part is the front end. The pass rush wasn't any good, and they didn't really do anything to address that. So uh, other than hoping Dante Fowler gets uh, healthy and has a flashback, uh, that's pretty much where your pass rush is at, uh, other than maybe trying to create some pass rush from the linebackers by blitzing Deion Jones and Foyer Ulukan. And you got Grady Jarrett up there getting triple team because they don't have anybody else on the line. So, <laughs> so, so that's my hope. But that's 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 the best I got about the defense. <laughs> and uh, maybe Dean Peace could out scheme people with blitzes and, and and so forth. But you know, folks will catch on after a little while on tape there. Hey Jay, I want to talk to you about AJ AJ Terrell because he was a first round pick as you mentioned last year. Now mm-hmm. cornerback is an issue here in Philadelphia as well. And you got people here thinking a fourth round pick in Zach McPherson is going to be a relevant piece of the puzzle. Talk about how hard it is for rookie cornerbacks, even first rounders like AJ Terrell. How difficult was that transition for him last season? Uh, it was it was rough because early on they're gonna get beat on double move routes. Uh, they're just not used to seeing that that type of route running on a high level. Uh, the kid in Detroit uh, went fifth last yeah. year. Third, third, and he third, struggled. Third, yeah, yeah. top five. Yeah, he struggled mightily. The best corners, because I followed them all last year, were guys in the second and third round. The first mm-hmm. round guys didn't do that well. So, I mean, there's hope. And uh, you all got, I believe, my man Marquand Manuel up there coaching them up. So Marquand left. Uh, he's with the oh, Jets. He's gone. Okay, yeah. okay. But he was there last year. Yeah, last year. Okay, so well, that's out the window. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it it's a mixed bag. I mean, with the mid and uh, top flight uh, cornerbacks, some of them can come in and do it. And, uh, oh, uh, I think we lost deep first. That happens. That yeah. happens on a streaming show. Well, yeah. Hopefully we'll get deep back. Deep. If not, a lot of good intel. Uh, obviously, it's early in the process, Jody. But it is interesting and you see D talking about that defense especially, boy, it does not look good on paper. I will say that. And, and other than Grady Jarrett, who's a really good player, as D mentioned, he gets triple teamed because they don't have anything else. Uh, Deion Jones should be back at linebacker, so that will help. And that secondary, man, there's not a lot of proven there, but they do have A.J. Terrell, uh, who should be back uh, in better in, in, in his second year uh, things may have slowed down, and they did draft Richie Grant, as I mentioned, in the second round. He'll help in the secondary at safety. I think he'll he'll be starting pretty quickly because I don't think they got the guys to hold them off. So Eagles did, should did, have a chance. Did you like A.J. Terrell in last year's draft? Yeah, I liked him. So I liked I. all the corners. I liked Okuda. If you would have told me that he would have played as quarter, I said, you're crazy. And he was just – we brought up pro football focus earlier. He was the worst cornerback in football as the third overall pick. Now he played a lot. So again, we talk about playing versus not playing Damon Arnett. The other Ohio state quarterback was terrible with the Raiders. Now, now that was a reach. The, the well, Raiders reached say, to well, take him where they took him. So. Mike Mayer, but I will say it wasn't like it was, he was supposed to be a first round pick probably later, probably late first round. 
or early second round at the worst. So you can say it was a reach. I, I don't disagree with that a little bit. But bottom line is he struggled. Uh, A.J. struggled as a first-round pick. That's why I said, look at those first-round corners from last year, man. That position is a bear, is a bear to play as a young player in the NFL. You know, and, and much of it, Jody, is because the philosophy is so different. You come to the NFL, these guys are used to being able to get their hands on receivers and don't let them play a little bit at the college club. You can't do that in the NFL. It's ticky-tack, it's, and they don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, they start getting beat because these guys can not only you, – you, they can run routes and you can't put your hands on them, the receivers, and they're just beating you like a drum – and then all of a sudden the confidence goes and it's a snowball. If uh, John is right in the way he's evaluating it, and I'm not saying that he isn't right. Um, Eagle fans, you should feel that much better about Devonta Smith because if they officiate the game different in college football than they do in the NFL, that cornerbacks get a little bit more leeway, that they don't go to the flag <laughs> when there is contact quite as quickly in the collegiate game as they do compared to the NFL. Devontae Smith had the year he did in college football last year in the NFL. Good luck to the cornerbacks. They're going to have to cover this kid as a rookie wide receiver. That's why I love Devontae Smith and think he's going to have a huge first year in the league. But you're right about the cornerback uh, and the transitional period uh, period from going from uh, the best defensive player on the field to a guy in his rookie year in the National Football League who's absolutely going to get picked on. I, I just think this is a trend that you can point to and go back and research and show that it uh, plays itself out. The first thing offensive coordinators do when they get a game plan for a given week against you, who's the young guy on the other side? Yeah. Who's the D-back that's a little wet behind the ears in the NFL? We can scheme something around him and take advantage of him. They don't care that he was the number three pick uh, like the kid in Detroit nope. last year. It doesn't matter inexperience or we'll attack it we'll exploit it and that's what's happened in the national football league these last couple of years so jody i just looked at it so you have the corners in the first round left year Je jeff okuda number three overall was just a disaster cj henderson at number nine to jacksonville wasn't great aj terrell we just talked about with d was number 16 overall uh, Damon Arnett was number 19, as you called a reach. He was terrible. Um, you had that kid, I can't pronounce his name, from Auburn, Noah Igbenahani okay. uh, from Miami. He didn't do anything. You had Jeff Gladney at 31, who was up and down. He was probably the best of the bunch, but he's already gotten in trouble. He's going to get suspended for off the field. And, oh, by the way, he wasn't good. He was just the best of the bunch. Uh that is a difficult position to hit the ground running. Now, all of those guys, with the exception of Gladney, who may never play again because he had a domestic violence, a really ugly domestic violence arrest, all those guys might turn into good players. My point is there is a big transition phase, and that's why I can't hit, sit here and say, oh, Zach McPherson can play outside cornerback in the NFL as a fourth-round pick. To me, it's an absurd thought to even have. Last year's results are last year's results, and they're stark and they're ugly. So uh, sorry to all those teams who did use those high picks on quarterbacks last year. 
Uh, maybe year two will be better with a year of experience under their belt. That's what you got to hope for if you're a fan of that team. Uh, and again, I always need to bring it back to an Eagle perspective. Didn't the Eagles really want to take a cornerback that high? In yeah, the that's what, this year? Remember, that was one of my concerns, Jody. I brought this up. I said, as good as you think Patrick Sertain is, as good as you think J.C. Horn is, they are going to get beat like a drum early in their career. And to me, it comes down to do you have enough mental toughness to overcome that and then bounce back when you start to get – it's almost like an NBA-type mentality, the NFL, when it comes to defensive backs. As you get some experience, they give you a little bit more leeway. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's the Jordan rules, but you're able to do a few more things – than you are as a rookie, and that helps a little bit. So part of it is that, but it's just I think it's the most difficult position to transition to besides quarterback uh, in the NFL, and that's cornerback. And we got let's, D back. Let's put this question to uh, D Orlando. We got back on the uh, stream. Uh, while you were down, D, uh, John and I were talking about how difficult it is for young cornerbacks to come into the league and be thrown right into the deep end of the pool. Uh, A.J. Terrell was a first-round draft pick last year, and part of that secondary that struggled as mightily for the Falcons as it did. Uh, is the young man ready to be better year number two, specifically from a mental standpoint. You can judge him on the field when he gets on the field, but some of these guys have bad first years. They're shell-shocked. They're never as good as they're projected to be. How did A.J. Terrell handle his season after the fact of getting yeah, eaten up a little bit as a rookie? Yeah, he came on. He continued to improve, and by the end, you know, he wasn't, you know, getting beat on the double moves. He was there in coverage. It uh, wasn't like he was out of the picture frame later on in the season. So he came on and ended up having a respectable rookie season uh, for, you know, a top 15 pick. Uh, so, you know, they believe moving forward that he'll be a solid part of their operation. Uh, but, yeah, just uh, I saw it. I've seen a couple of Desmond Trufant, Robert Alford, just the rookie cornerbacks are going to have a tough – those are first and second round picks. They're just going to have a tough time with uh, being set up with the moves and the route concepts that they haven't seen before. Uh, and you hope that, um, you know, they can play through that bumpy play and smooth it out. And we think uh, A.J. did that. Uh, and I saw I saw True Fine and Robert Alford. Well, Robert Alford never smoothed it out. He kept grabbing the whole time. So, but uh, they they played with him. He made it. He was on the, he made a, you know, they played, he made some plays for him, but he had a tough time. He, okay, you've been around the Atlanta Falcons for a long time, and you've seen a lot of practices, a lot of offseason, a lot of training camps, a lot of games. When you look at this team, you said you were checking out, assembling your depth chart. You look at this team, you say, I don't know this position is good enough. What position would you go to? Uh, right tackle and uh, left guard. Well, you just said one, but I got a <laughs> Matt Ryan has been sacked 131 times the last three years. Um, and I, I, I looked up the hurries and pressures numbers. I got to get those memorized too. They're, it's just awful. It's like 20% of his dropbacks, almost 30. He's either getting sacked, hit, or hurry. 
And uh, so offensive line as a group in one position is right tackle. All right, let me ask you about the division that the Falcons are in. Bad news is, yeah, the Tampa Bay Bucks are in your division, and they are the defending champions, and they had a lot of free agents this offseason, and they got most of them to sign back with the team and keep the band together and take another shot. So that's a hell of a hurdle to try and get over. But the flip side is, all right, Carolina's going with a new QB. We'll see if Sam Donald is better out of New York and their bad coaching staff, uh, but still young coach who uh, last year – couldn't figure out how to win close games. They were in almost every game, but they couldn't figure out how to win those games. And you got the Saints that are going to go out there with a new quarterback duo, not named Breeze, and we'll have to see how that plays out. Are the Falcons definitely the fourth team in this division? We know they're not first. That would be the defending champion Bucks. But where do they fall in the hierarchy of the division as far as expectations go this year? Yeah, they're, they're fourth. They're coming from the back of the pack uh, just because they're going to have uh, at, least 50, at least five or six new starters on, on defense. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, uh, no real identity now. You don't have a running attack, uh, but you, you don't have your best receiver. So uh, you're going to be trying to put something together there on the offensive side of the ball where you got Matt Ryan throwing off of Mike Davis and uh, – uh, you know, and you got Calvin Ridley there. That's going to be your main guy. And then you got Kyle Pitts, a rookie. So that's uh, kind of unknown uh, heading into the season. So that's got to keep you in that last place uh, hole. As Carolina, you know, uh, you know, they look sharp under Coach Rule last year and should be better in year two. Hey, T, I, I'm, I, you know, I just noticed your shirt, and I just realized we have Damo coming on in the second hour. Oh, man. So- yeah, so I just realized we have two Hall of Fame voters uh, uh, in the two hours of the show today. And so I want to go that route with you and say, give me an Atlanta Falcon that should be in the Hall of Fame that's not in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, Tommy Novus uh, um, Tommy Novus is the big one that, uh, uh, you know, Ray Nitsky and uh, Dick Buckus were of his era, and they're in. Uh, you know, and, and Tommy Novus' numbers were – were just as good. Now, Buckers played in Chicago. They weren't very good either. So the argument that the Falcons weren't a, a good team uh, is not a, a rule to keep him out. We did, we've seen some players uh, that were not with good teams. Elvin Bethea is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, Aeneas Williams, uh, he played on some good teams during the Rams. But, uh, yeah. uh, you know, if the player is good enough, he should have been in and, and – um, Lynn Pascarelli uh, passed on to me. He gave me a sit-down talk about what happened over the years and so forth. Uh, uh, and a lot of it had to do with uh, Claude Humphrey versus Tommy Novus, who should have gone in first. And they fought about it, the older guys. Uh, and I think they wanted Claude over Tommy. And the uh, local Atlanta person at the time, Mr. Bishop, wanted Tommy. And so uh, it was some knockdown dragouts over it, but <laughs> the senior committee could could, could fix that. Uh, I thought they were going to do it with in that centennial class that we're going to be putting in this yeah. year, uh, but uh, we it, it didn't happen then. And it's a lot of people in that senior committee's room. That's a tough room to get through. Uh, but yeah, Tommy Novus, Mister Falcon, is not in the Hall of Fame, and uh, that's uh, that's one uh, big major oversight. From the committee. 
Thank you, John. You sent me up nicely for my last question, because um, mm -hmm. I read a story over the weekend about the Falcons and numbers. Is Tommy Novus's number not being worn right now by Atlanta Falcon player because the Falcons don't retire numbers? There are some numbers that aren't given out, but there aren't any retired numbers. Is Novus one of those numbers that isn't officially retired, but practically yet? Yeah, nobody's ever going to wear that number. Nobody has worn it. They, that's one that they have uh, unofficially retired. It's on a protected list is what I call it. Uh, he, he had, they, Murkowski was a 10, but Scott Campbell wore his for years. And you got a couple others that have that are not been issued a lot, Mike Ken, William Andrews. But uh, somebody's worn those again. Uh, somebody might be in practice with them. But, like, uh, but Tommy Novus, nobody even gets that. <laughs> and now uh, it's, it's on the protected list. Understood. D, we appreciate you not only coming on, but coming back on after we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. Thanks for jumping back in. Uh, enjoy your couple of weeks where you get to take a deep breath before the mm -hmm. season gets underway. We will yeah. get you back on the week before the Eagles and the Falcons play this year. Thanks to, for today. All right. Thank you, Jody and John, for having me. Take care and have a great day. Thanks, Our Dave. pleasure. That is uh, D. Orlando uh, Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, giving us some good uh, Falcon knowledge. We'll do this from time to time. Uh, we do it with the divisional rivals a lot, Giants, Washington football team, and Cowboys. But we do know who the Eagles will be playing this year, and we'll, quote-unquote, jump behind enemy lines to get a little look ahead of time of teams that the Eagles will be facing off during the year. But as always, the main focus here on Birds 365 are the birds themselves. Uh, John and I will come back a little uh, later, about 20 some odd minutes from now. We'll go uh, bird specific with our buddy Paul Domowicz from the uh, Daily News and Inquirer. We come back. I got a couple more birds questions that I want to fire at my partner, John McMullen, right here next on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. You've got your Maga Mag guys here on Birds 365, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Uh, plenty yet to cover today, including talking to our bud, Paul Donwich. Good catch by you. I had forgotten that uh, D. Orlando was the Hall of Fame voter for the Falcons. I missed that shirt. You got better eyes than me, too, if you could notice. The shirt that he was wearing had the Hall of Fame voter logo on it. Um, but we'll get Damo up here. Maybe we'll talk Hall of Fame with him, too. But there are some eagle things we want to get in with Damo. And I got some eagle things for you, J-Mac. Um did you see the quote from Le'Veon Bell over the weekend? Yeah, yeah. come on, Le'Veon. That come he on. would not play for Andy Reid again uh, if it's life depended on it. Uh, I'm sure Andy's broken up. He gets picked up off the scrap heap, has a very productive uh, career with the Pittsburgh Steelers, becomes a free agent, Jets blatantly overpay him to go in there, and it never works with it for him in New Jersey and gets released in the middle of that mega contract and the Jets just eat the money because he is doing absolutely nothing for him. And Andy picks him up off the scrap heap and gives him a chance with the Chiefs and they make a Super Bowl run. All right, you didn't get a Super Bowl ring, Le'Veon, but you were playing well into February, which other players weren't given the chance. And he said something that seems to have hurt Le'Veon's feelings. And Le'Veon tried to walk it back over social media over the weekend that uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that I decided to air my views and my feelings on social media. Yeah, but you did. Sorry. And everybody noticed it before you tried yeah. to walk it back. Yeah. He, believe me, as a Jet fan, I know he's a stone cold diva. And sometimes divas are a necessity because they're talented players and they help you win. But they also have their downsides as well. I would say as of right now, this Philadelphia Eagle roster is pretty much diva free. Would you agree, J-Mac? Yes, I would agree. And that's not necessarily a good thing. 
by the way, Jody. That means uh, you're devoid of really, Thebas tend to be really, really talented. Now, yeah. at the end of their careers, like Le'Veon Bell, I mean, in the prime in Pittsburgh, Le'Veon was arguably the best running back in football, certainly the most well-rounded running back in football. They tend to be really talented. OBJ, people like Randy Moss back in the day was described so many receivers. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. They tend to be really talented. Maybe Devontae Smith develops into a diva, and maybe that's a good thing. Not happening. Because Not happening. He's never going to be a diva. He's got, I, his, I just he's mean got his from mind a talent, in the right place. I just mean from a talent perspective. But uh, as far as Le'Veon Bell as a whole, I, I, I'll give you a story a wise man once told me. You were talking about coffee to begin the show, Jody. If you're going into Wawa to get a coffee, your morning coffee, and you meet an a-hole, uh, and you go through the rest of your day, you probably met an a-hole. But if you go to in the Wawa, and you meet an a-hole, and then you continue to meet a-holes the rest of the day, no matter where you go, you're probably the a-hole. <laughs> so, Le'Veon Bell, Pittsburgh, Jets, Kansas City, Look in the mirror, buddy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I I have the same read on Le'Veon Bell that you have. All right, so that there's a reason, that, and it tied nicely together that Le'Veon Bell did this with Andy Reid, one of our guys, and said something stupid, and once again proved his diva-like status. Good luck, because you're right. If you're a diva and everyone looks at you as a diva, and you don't have that talent that you used to, Le'Veon Bell, guess what? Gonna get that much harder to find a job going forward. You might not want to play for Andy Reid. I don't know who's going to want to have you play for them next year. You may like the coach better, but you might not have all that many reasons. You know, out. how bad is it when you're a big name, Jody, and Philadelphia Eagles fans don't ask about you, you know it's bad because no. they want every big name. Any name they heard of, they want. And they don't want Le'Veon Nobody Bell. wants Le'Veon Bell. He might be uh, hard-pressed to find a job this upcoming year. But let me ask you about another guy who certainly earned diva status. And I'll ask you to evaluate him both as a football talent and as a diva as well. Who's a free agent? Who's still sitting out there? Who plays a position of need for the Philadelphia Eagles? Because I know that I have absolutely on air referred to him as a diva. That would be cornerback Richard Sherman who as part of the Legion of Boom in Seattle was a key contributor on a Super Bowl winning team. 
He kind of wore out his welcome in Seattle and went free agent, stayed in division, landed with the 49ers. To me, yeah, he wasn't the shutdown. And I, I, I use that phrase because it became a standard in the National Football League. I don't really even know if there is one shutdown corner left in the NFL. I just don't think that happens anymore. So uh, let's just say Richard Sherman is a talented cornerback, not as talented as he was in Seattle, but still played pretty good football for the San Francisco 49ers uh, these past couple of years, but is still sitting out there. No one has made the move for Richard Sherman yet, including the 49ers. And I did read over the weekend that it looks like the 49ers haven't even pursued him a little bit this offseason. He is certainly an upgrade talent-wise from what the Eagles have on their roster right now. I don't know what his <clears throat> asking number is going to be if the yeah. Eagles have the flexibility to get their hands on him. Uh, but I'm asking you from both a talent, a putting up with Diva, and a financial standpoint, how much should I be dreaming the dream that Richard Sherman can be a Philadelphia Eagle? Yeah, I, I mean, boy. I mean, he's 33 as well. You haven't put that into the mix. So we talk about this, where the Eagles transition. Do they believe they're a little bit better? I think he's in the Ryan Kerrigan uh, category. If you can get him at a bare bones price, uh, nothing on the salary cap, why not? He's certainly better than what you have. We just had Dion. We're going to have Damo on. We talked about the Hall of Fame. This is a borderline Hall of Fame player. I don't necessarily think he he should be in because he is uh, more of a zone corner, more of a uh, than a press guy. You talk about lockdown. Typically, when you think about Hall of Famers, you think about lockdown corners. But as you mentioned, Jody, they might not exist anymore. So you might have to start thinking about it a different way. And then I go back to the philosophy of the defense. In theory, they're going to play a lot of cover two, cover three. What cover three corner is better than Richard Sherman? There isn't one. He is the cover three corner. That is the guy. That is the Legion of Boom. Big, long, lengthy, 6'3". I mean, he would be, in theory, a perfect fit from a schematic standpoint for this team. Interestingly enough, Darius Slay wouldn't be. Um, so all of that I like, but do you want a 33-year-old guy? Do you want to get the startup cost over with Zach McPherson? We just talked about young corners. You know, it's kind of where are you? And the Eagles go down this rabbit hole. I remember we were talking to Tim McManus last week. They do it every year. After the season ends, they say, we got to get younger. We got to get more cost effective. We got to turn this roster over. Then the offseason goes along and they say, eh, we're a little bit better than we think we are. They listen to people like John McMullen saying, ah, you know what, Atlanta's not very good. You can mm -hmm. beat Atlanta. Uh, and all of a sudden, 8-9 turns into 9-8 and eight in a bad division. Can we sneak in the back door with Richard Sherman? I think the Eagles could talk themselves into it. I, I will say that. And the key question, you pointed it out, and I knew it, but I was just setting you up for it. It's going to be coin. How much is Richard Sherman willing to pay for? The Eagles would like him for 
40 cents on the dollar. He's probably looking for 90 cents on the dollar. When the league hasn't signed you and you're into June, you got to realize you're not getting a dollar for a dollar. You're not getting what you thought you were worth when you went to free agency. So you're going to pay or play for a reduced price. How reduced is that going to be? The Eagles probably want it very reduced. It's, I still think someone will step up and pay him uh, more than the Eagles would probably like to pay him at this point. The other question comes in with Richard Sherman is, what is he looking to do with this season? Is he looking to go out and have an unbelievably good Bapo season and make someone believe that next year he would be a guy who can get a dollar on a dollar on a free agent market? Or is he a guy who wants to join a team and maybe make a Super Bowl run? He's got his ring, but if he could get a secondary one with another team, that John McMullen guy on Birds 365 talked about his Hall of Fame potential, that would certainly give a Hall of Fame presenter a little a bit of an angle yeah. to play with uh, his second Super Bowl ring somewhere. Yeah, the Eagles can't really sell that, can they? The no, they can't. Super Bowl contender this year. No, they could sell. We might, what I just said, we might be a contender in a bad division, but I don't think it's a Super Bowl contender. So, yeah, it depends on his prospects as a free agent. And what teams that are perceived to be Super Bowl contenders, do they even have any interest? But, you know, uh, you know, I'm thinking about it. You brought up Diva, Joe. I don't even know if Richard Sherman's a Diva. He's oh, just, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah well, he's a stone-cold Diva. But he's a trash talker. He's got a big personality. But so does Brandon Graham. I don't consider Brandon Graham a Diva. I mean, he, tra- he talks more trash than anybody. Uh, so on the field... He's a trash talker, but I don't think he's uh, a huge pain in the in the you know what off the field. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I do. I think he's a pain in the you know what off the field, and uh, would be he would go right to the div- top of the diva list with the Eagles if he were to sign here. All right, uh, the other CB two I wanted to bring up today. We talked so much about QB three last week and. Uh, really, is that going to determine the fates and fortunes of the Eagles' upcoming season? Methinks not. Uh, but CB2 can. You got Darius Slay as your number one corner. What if you made Darius Slay your number two cornerback? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about. No, the- I see what you're. I, yeah, Bill Belichick does it all the time. Yeah, I'm no. uh, talking about Bill Belichick and a cornerback that he has, as a matter of fact. And that's Stefan Gilmore, who was, I believe, the defensive player of the year in the National Football League in 2019. Am I correct in that? Am I yes. remembering that correctly? You are correct. Yes. So you're talking about one of the supreme talents in the National Football League, who at least, if you believe the rumor mill, has been thrown out there as a possible trade candidate for the Patriots to move on from. Big time salary cap number. There's a lot to it. Would he be willing to redo his contract? Everyone is always willing to redo their contract. Mm. If you're talking about one that's very advantageous for them. So the Eagles would have to know that about that before they ever got into contract uh, discuss, trade discussion talks with a team like New England for a guy like Stefan Gilmore. Uh, would he even be worthy looking into? Because they've got a massive cap uh, hit going forward with Darius Slay. Can they get involved with talking about a guy like Stefan Gilmore, 
who you know down the road, if you redo his contract for this upcoming year, because Eagles don't have a lot of cap room, uh, that means it's going to be that much worse of a cap situation down the road. Uh, Slay and Gilmore as the opposite quarterbacks, guilty as charged, like you uh, said we discussed with Tim uh, McManus. I'm, I'm now buying into, you know, the Eagles could compete this upcoming year. If you're going to get Stephen Gilmore, you absolutely are suggesting, yeah, we can we can sneak in and win this division. Am I stupid for even going there and bringing up his name that the Eagles could have the best corner combos in the National Football League if they could get a deal done for a guy like Stephon Gilmore? Yeah, I mean, only because of the cap hit. It's enormous. Uh I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is. It's it's well over. Well, 20. whatever it is, they're going to have to change it. Well, yeah, he, I they mean, can't it, bring it, him it, in. They have to redo his deal, which means he's going to have to get guaranteed money, and you're going to have to push it down the road in future cap years. Uh, it doesn't matter what his contract says now. For the Eagles to even think about acquiring him, they're going to have to redo his deal anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, the salary cap is overrated in the fact that if you want to really get something done, you could probably get it done. But in this particular instance, where the Eagles are uh, $4.953 million under the cap, and that doesn't include Landon Dickerson's contract, so that'll be another chunk off of that. Uh, to pick up a guy with a $20 million cap hit, $20 million plus, you got to do a lot of gymnastics. Remember, he's also under contract uh, eh, 2020. That was 2020. Actually, it's not that bad. I'm looking about it, Jody. I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, I just pulled only, up his I think contract. it's only like $7 million. Yeah, 20, $20 they... million. $7 million is a lot better uh, – the, well, the cap hit is 16.2. Right. Uh, the the dead money for uh, New England would be in the 7 million range. So is it doable? Yeah, they could get it done, especially if you extend him and, and how he does his voidable years trick. That's but, what they're going to have to do. But, you know, this is a guy who still plays at a high level. So you can't play those tricks you can play with, say, Ryan Kerrigan. You're going to have to have meat in the contract. You're going to have significant money in the first two years of the contract that gets backloaded. I just don't think they're in a position to do that until really we're 2021, 2022. Uh, the cap is going to spring back, but the new TV money doesn't kick into 2023, really. That's when they have a lot of space to do a lot of different things. There's too many issues with this team from a cap perspective. They've already swallowed their medicine. I don't think they're going to swallow more medicine by working out something with Stephon Gilmore. And, oh, by the way, I don't think he'd want to play here, so that would play into it as well. So there's a lot of different – I'd love to have the player. Can I have the player without the headaches? I'd love that, but too many headaches. Yeah. No, you have to take the whole package. So uh, basically, Richard Sherman available out there. Still a talented football player. Might not be what he once was, but a guy who could be a perfect fit depending on the Eagles scheme that they're going to use. You're telling me no shot, no chance. No. Not just get, not you know forward. what? Just get Steven Nelson, Eagles, please. Just get it done. I, I mean, that's what that's the realm. That's the neighborhood we're in. You know, I, I go to Haddonfield, Jody, and I see some of the nice houses, and I say, Boy, I want that house. It's not my neighborhood. 
I'm, I'm in Stratford. I'm in my neighborhood. Eagles are in the Stephen Nelson neighborhood. Don't worry about the Stephon Gilmore neighborhood. No Stephon Gilmore. No Richard. You're telling me that Nelson can still happen. Because I'm starting to believe, let's go Zach. Or Zach, depending on how you pronounce uh, the Eagles' fourth round. Well, it is Zach, but it's spelled Zach. But, right. uh, it's spelled Zach, but pronounced Zach. Get ready for some Zach. Because... You're telling me they don't have a uh, chance of playing at the top of the market, but you still have faith that the still Stephen Nelson market hey, he's out there. He's you gotta have... have faith until he's not. You gotta have faith. All right, uh, we'll see if our next guest has any updated info on the Eagles' pursuit of an upgrade at cornerback over Zach. Sorry, Zach, we like you. We've never even seen you play, Zach, and it seems like we're badmouthing you and trying to replace you on a day in day out basis. But that's what we do here on Birds 365. And we'll get Paul Domowicz to jump on board and help us do it. He's next here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. 
Try it on at GoArmy.com. All right, we may be on summer vacation from Philadelphia Eagle activity. Doesn't mean we can't talk about them. That's what we do here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, hanging with you. Uh, we've got another voice to add to the mix. He's an educated one because he's only been covering the Eagles for decades. Uh, the Hall of Fame voter here in Philadelphia, our buddy Paul Domlich of the Daily News joins us. How's your summer going, Domo? I'm not saying a word until you guys promise that I get a free bag of pure bull beef jerky. <laughs> there we go. Huck and fight. Everybody Huck loves the Huck and fight. Everybody loves it, Tama. And happy belated birthday, the Murder's Row of Birthdays. Uh, June you 11th well. through June 15th. Nick Sirianni, obviously, turning 40. That's a big one. He'll wow. he'll have this wisdom and gravitas once he turns 40, uh, Dama. Man. I can. I've got T-shirts uh, as old as him. Oh! <laughs> All right, a uh, couple of things that we've been discussing here today. A couple of things I haven't gotten into yet uh, that I want to get into. You, one of which was the tight end position. Actually, we did talk about it with Richard Rodgers getting signed uh, uh, at the end of last week. Zach Ertz is still here. And everyone's got their belief about Zach Ertz. And we all know the conversations that have been had between he and the organization and the tearful farewell at the end of last season for Zach Ertz as he was leaving the field. Yet here we sit and Zach Ertz is still here. Even though they signed Richard Rodgers last week, Zach Ertz is still here. And the tight end coach, which you guys got a chance to talk to last week, said, I've been in contact with Zach and I've had phone conversations and I'm keeping him up to speed. Is there any chance that these sides kiss and make up and that Zach Ertz is a Philadelphia Eagle again this year? I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going somewhere. If it gets to it, he'll be released, but I think they'll be able to work out a deal with somebody like Buffalo where, uh, you know, where you get some loose change. Um, I mean, it's just not fair to him. Uh, he doesn't want to be here. So, uh, you know, the signing of Richard Rodgers, I think, uh, even solidifies that even more that he's going to be gone. But, yeah, at some point here between now and start a training camp, I fully expect Zach to be elsewhere. Yeah, Domo, uh, Jody mentioned Jason Michael. We got to talk to most of the assistants uh, last week. Your right. first thoughts on that group, because it is an inexperienced group. Uh, we were just talking to D. Orlando Ledbetter, another Hall of Fame voter, about the Falcons and a new coach and Arthur Smith, and he's brought in more of a veteran coaching staff. He talked Dean Pease out of retirement. Nick's gone the opposite way. What what did first impressions of that staff? Well, you know, I mean, I have mixed uh, feelings about it, John. Uh, I mean, I, I'd prefer some experience, a little blend of it. I mean, they did keep uh, Stout, which helps. Yeah. Uh, but clearly, I mean, there was a conscious effort here. I don't know if it was after they hired Nick or regardless of who was hired, the plan was to, you know, go young, go. You know, I mean, I like a lot of these coaches, but there is not a lot of experience. I think Brian Johnson's uh, a nice addition, but again, he's never coached a minute in the NFL. Uh, Tracy Rocker has, 
you know, spent 25 years in coaching, three in the NFL, um, which is almost as many as as he played. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that would concern me, except that this clearly is a year of transition, and I think it's going to be a year of transition for the coaching staff as well. Yeah, it's usually a pretty good philosophy when you come to the realization, hey, we need to get younger. Usually that's players, not coaches, but in the Eagles' case this year, it's the coaching staff where they've gotten significantly younger. John and I were just talking about some veteran cornerbacks that the Eagles should at least have interest in, probably not going to work out, cap situation, player not wanting to be here and the like. But that's another position that we've expected something to happen, kind of like Zach Ertz. We're waiting for something to happen on Zach Ertz. We're waiting for something to happen at the CB2 position, the cornerback across from Darius Slay. Anything this week, next week? Are we going to have to wait till week one of the upcoming season to determine who's going to be the Eagles' other starting cornerback? What are you hearing the latest about the Eagles and how they believe their cornerback position is right now? I'm not hearing a whole lot, but I mean, just judging from the way they've operated in the past, I think they're going to wait. I think they're going to see how things develop with other teams once training camp starts. I mean, we could be, you know, you look at uh, when they, when you know, when they made the trade for Ronald Darby, they wait until August. Uh, they look at teams that maybe have a, a decent corner that's, that's expendable or that wants to leave or that is not going to play there. Uh, I think that's the way it'll eventually shake out here. It's not going to be anybody uh, that's going to knock your socks off. It'll be somebody with experience that they can plug in until they figure out, you know, with some of these younger guys what they've got. Um, but, I, yeah, it's, it's that, that's the way I see it kind of shaking out right now, like August sometime. Hey, Domo, I want to talk to you about the offseason work in general. Obviously, the Eagles were one of those teams that scaled it back, talked to the players and said, we're not going to have mandatory minicamp. Other teams said, you know what? No, we're going to have it. And some veterans, if you don't want to show up for voluntary work, great, but you got to be here for minicamp. Do you think the Eagles should have held the line for with that young coaching staff, with that rookie head coach, with all those young assistants and said, okay, this is about the young players anyway. So if you're a veteran, if you're Brandon Graham, you're Fletcher Cox, you don't want to come in for the voluntary stuff. Great. Just come up for minicamp. Do you think the Eagles should have held the line there and, and, and move forward with a minicamp type environment? Yeah. Um, you know, I only say no because of, you know, they've got a young, inexperienced head coach who I think it was important for him to establish some sort of rapport with a lot of these veterans that they still have. And while some of the – a lot of the young players have suffered from the lack of uh, seven-on-sevens and 11-on-11s this spring. Uh, I think the way they worked it out, where they sat down with the Kelseys and, and the Coxes and people like that, I think is will benefit Nick uh, when he gets everybody together. But, you know, I, I just hate this. I mean, it's very short-sighted of the, of the NFLPA. I understand why most – and they're run essentially by veteran players, and you can understand why they have – no desire to be in spending their spring, uh, you know, working out a lot. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, you know, for a coach like Nick, for a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, it's, it's really bad. I mean, the snaps he missed are going to set him back. I mean, he, you know, they, they got a lot of work and mentally I'm sure he's up to speed with the offense, but 
not being out there, not establishing chemistry with your with your uh, receivers uh, is there's there's no good that can come out of that. Let me ask you to further a comment that you just made because I think you're dead on right. Um, Short sighted by the players' union. It yes. seems like every negotiation between the players' union and the owners, which, by the way, they just locked in a 10-year uh, CBA that's going to carry them into the next decade. Um, the union always seems to come back to, well, give us less work. They never win a fight over dollars and cents. The <laughs> owners draw a real hard line on dollars. Any single dollar they can keep in their pocket they keep in their pocket, but the union wants to come away with something. And it always seems to be, well, less work, less hitting yeah. while we're working, less days working, less hours working. And the NFL says, well, if you really want it, we'll cave on that. We'll give it to you. But to me, then you see a reduction in the quality of football over the course of the long year. Is my description of it accurate? Am I portraying it correctly? Is this actually hurting the game? Because teams are playing using less time to prepare to play for the regular season. Yeah. I mean, you know, this wasn't even an issue when they did the deal last year, COVID kind of after COVID, after they missed last spring, completely virtual, the players said, Hey, wait a minute. You know, we, 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 you know, we had a season, we got it in there. You know, it wasn't disgraceful. Uh, You know, there were some mistakes that maybe, early on that the teams wouldn't have made if they had had spring work, but you know, the public probably didn't notice why should we have spring camps? So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it helps the game. Uh, I understand years and years ago, and I was still, I was covering the team back <laughs> then when, in these years and years ago when they used to have uh, no camps, but they also had six, six preseason games and you know, things went on forever. So, I mean, players kind of work their way into shape, work their way into the system. You know, you don't have that now. I mean, you're down to three preseason games. These guys didn't have camp. So they're coming in with basically just mental reps. And they've got three games to, to get ready for the start of the season. Well, speaking of the union, Domo, they had a conference call last week about the vaccination issue. That's a sticky wicket for both sides. They can't force guys to get vaccinated, but the league is trying to make incentives and incentivize it. And actually, you know, from a team perspective, they seem to be putting it off on the teams and saying, you know what, we're going to play the games. So uh, whether you have a quarterback and you saw it last year in Denver, uh, I forget the kid's name who was forced to play because the whole – quarterback group was quarantined. You have these issues where they're going to play the game. So if you can't get your guys vaccinated and they're quarantined or whatever, uh, you're going to be effective and they're not going to consider that competitive balance. Do you think that's the right way to go? Or do you think there is a, uh, a, a better way to go or is ed- education it? It's, there, there's not much else they can do. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, uh, you know, I am just shocked by – I thought football would have a much higher percentage of vaccinated players because I tend to give them a little more credit for being smarter than baseball players. Uh, I, don't, I, I have no idea what the vaccination rate is in the NBA right now, but I know, you know, baseball is also having trouble. Um, 
you know, they can't, you're right. They can make them. Uh, they can't do what, I mean, I loved it. The, fe the federal judge that upheld the Houston Baptist hospital system thing yesterday where, you know, they've made it mandatory. If you want to work in our system, you've got to be vaccinated and they were sued and a federal judge basically said the lawsuit has no merit that, that a private company can, can uh, do whatever it wants. And the, the NFL could do whatever it wants. Unfortunately, it has a union that says, no, you can't. Um, so, you know, they, they've made, they've educated their players as much as you can. I mean, players that say they need more information are just either complete idiots or looking for an excuse. Uh, I, since I'm on the total opposite side of this whole thing, and you guys probably are too, I, I just can't comprehend how somebody could not want to get vaccinated right now. Uh, there's, you know, there, there's, there's been zero evidence of, uh, you know, of, of danger. Uh, you know, you've got the, the morons that are out there talking about forks sticking to your, you know, your head and your chest because you're magnetized. Uh, but, you know, so, I mean, the only option left to the NFL is to make it as difficult on players that refuse to get vaccinated as possible. Punish them, make them get tested every every day, uh, things like that, and then maybe they come around. Because I don't know what else, you know, you can't make them. And, and, you know, that's about your only option right now. You can't find them, you can't cut them. But bottom of the roster, guys are going to get cut if they refuse to be vaccinated. Yeah, but you can't cut them. You can't yeah. say you're going to cut them. Right, you you've got to keep it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't you know, brand it, beat it. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what's going on here. Uh, you know, there are going to be some guys you're going to say, huh, ah, that doesn't make sense. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll I see. love Bruce Arians because Bruce said, you want to get back to normal? Get vaccinated. He cuts yeah. through all the bullshit at any moment. That's what Bruce Arians is saying. And Bruce is, is one of the few coaches in this league because of who he is and what he just did winning a Super Bowl. They can basically tell his players, go get vaccinated or you're not going to play. And, and and there will be nobody saying, wait a minute. Nick Sirianni says that. <laughs> you're going to have a, a bunch of guys saying, I don't think so, Nick. Right. Uh, <laughs> you got here 10 minutes ago and you're going to dictate to me? Yeah, Bruce Arians, a yeah. little different stature than uh, Nick Sirianni. I want to get back to the Eagle coaching staff. A uh, specific position, then that would be running back. Jamal Singleton. <laughs> Um, not only is trying to replace uh, Deuce Daly, but is also like Deuce, the assistant head coach. Uh, he was one of the guys who impressed me when we got our first chance to listen to him and talk about the uh, upcoming season and how his philosophy meshes with Nick Sirianni, which I all thought was all great. But here's the one thing we don't know. How does Nick Sirianni slash Coach Singleton's philosophy mesh with the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, because there's been enough reporting this offseason about Jeff Lurie just loves to pass. Eagles win a game, and Jeff Lurie calls Doug Peterson <laughs> in and reads him the right act because they didn't pass enough. Even though they went to Green Bay and beat a more talented Packer team, you didn't throw it enough, Jeff, uh, Doug. How is the Eagle running game going to work this year? Well, they're throwing a lot to the guys out of the backfield, but are you actually going to turn it and hand it off? to Miles Sanders at all this upcoming season. How is Coach Singleton going to have to get his foot in the door with the Eagles when this seems to be a pass-happy organization? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, the only thing we can do, and, and John can attest to this, is you look at 
you know, you look at Nick's record uh, with with Frank in, in Indianapolis and what they did the last three years, what what Shane Steichen did in uh, in in L.A. with the Chargers. And, you know, their rushing numbers were respectable. The, you know, they were – I mean, I'm talking uh, carries per game. Might have been in the top 10, top 15. And, but, this, what I mean, what we're going to see a lot of is, is throwing to these guys. I'm convinced we're going to see screens out the wazoo this year. Uh, they've got, you know, the new guy, uh, Kenny uh, Gainwell, and then you got Miles Sanders, who's better than he showed last year in the passing game, as we saw in year one. Uh, I think we're going to see these guys, and we're going to be we're going to be talking a lot more about what they do catching the ball than than running it. But I mean, they are you know they are going to try. And, I mean, they've got an offensive line which, if it's healthy, is going to be very very good, and you know should be able to protect Jalen. Uh, but you know, also mixing in the running game takes pressure off of him as well. You know, Domo, it is interesting though because if you look at this team on paper. Uh, and Jalen Hurts' ability to run the ball himself, along with Miles Sanders, who projects to be certainly one of the better offensive players on this team. I don't want to say run the football, but I do think balance is going to be important for yeah. this particular team more than most because you have a young quarterback who isn't the most accurate in the world, or at least that's certainly the perception. It was certainly true in a limited uh, sample size last season. So if you do, and this isn't going to happen, but I'll use this example, Kansas City Chiefs are talking about 20-0, and 0, Damo. If they come in here and the Eagles upset them, but they upset them in the wrong way in Jeffrey Lurie's mind, is he actually going to go in that office with Nick Sirianni and say, why are you running the ball with Miles Sanders to beat the Kansas City Chiefs? Could he possibly do that? Hey, as we've seen the last few years, Jeffrey <laughs> can do just about anything uh, as far as his conversations with with his coach. Uh, you know, I, what what's I'm interested in with Jalen, and and clearly they've got to take advantage of his running ability because yeah. you don't draft a guy like that unless you're gonna, you know, I mean, you're gonna maximize that part of his game. But they also have to do it while they're teaching him. I mean, the, I, I I think he's fine accuracy-wise. I mean, we didn't see it last year. But then, you know, you, you throw in I – mean, the one thing he did in those four starts was throw a ton of balls away, which plays into his completion percentage. It was the one thing that, that they couldn't get Carson to do that he was only too willing to do uh, when he had to get rid of the ball. But you come out of an Oklahoma offense, the one thing – you have to adjust to is you're no longer doing making one read and then tucking it under and running. You've got to go through your progressions. Then you can run. Uh, then you can extend the play. So I want to see how he adjusts to that. But, you know, what we're going to see from, from Jalen, the same thing with Kyler Murray, same thing with, uh, with Lamar Jackson. You can't play man against these guys. You, you have your corners and your safeties turn their backs and, and linebackers turn their backs to cover somebody, they're just gonna they're just gonna run you to death. So, you know, that's certainly gonna be helpful to him, uh, facing a lot of zones, even with a guy like Greg Ward. I mean, Greg Ward is not a very good man wide receiver, but boy, can he find a, a hole in his zone. And so I think we're gonna see, you know, I mean, a lot of people kind of want to put Greg Ward out the pasture 
And I, I think he's going to be a valuable part of this receiving core. I'm glad to hear that, Jody. Yeah, Jody uh, loves I, I'm the president of the Greg yeah. Ward fan club. I can't believe how many people don't give him credit for what he's accomplished since yeah. he became a wide receiver for this team. Well, that's because yeah. we know, Damo, they're they're looking to get better at that position. Doesn't mean they Stop can. Better. Doesn't mean they can. But Damo knows they wanted to play more 11 personnel. Doug Peterson did. But the receiver stunk. Can't get yeah. him on the field. And Greg keeps yeah. outplaying the receivers as long as he does that. But they want Travis Fulgham out there. They want Jalen Rager. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside maybe gets one last chance. Wes Watkins, John Hightower. They want more speed on the field. That's not Greg Ward. I'm sorry. That's what the Eagles want. I don't I care. I want production. I don't there's care. Different ways, there's different ways to skin a cat. Yeah. And Greg Ward is that for the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> in the slot. I rest my case. I like him too. Uh, Damo, uh, let me get back to the point you were making about the Eagles, and you're going to see guys catch the ball out of the backfield that much more. Um, I'm remembering back off the top of my head, I could look up stats and uh, justify it, but I'm just trying to do it via memory. I don't think the screen game was a big part of Jalen Hurts during the last four games of the season. I remember the screen game for Carson Wentz being unsuccessful and him making – bad reads and putting the ball where it wasn't supposed to be and uh, the offensive line not giving him the chance to set it up. The Eagles screen game was pretty poor under Carson Wentz last year. I'm trying to remember what I felt about the Eagles screen game under Jalen Hurts. I don't have a grasp right off the top of my head of it being good, bad, or indifferent. It just kind of was, and I don't think it was a big part of it. I think they tried to stay away from it because it can be a difficult uh, play to execute. They were trying to make it easy for Jalen. Why do you think the screen game will work with Jalen Hurts if you if you think that's the case? They're going to lean on it this year. The offensive line. I mean, I just think that's why it didn't work so, so very well last year. Uh, you know, if that offensive line stays healthy, I think it, it it's just, just expands a lot of the things they're going to be able to do this year. Run the ball, throw the screens, uh, you know, throw a lot of those gadget uh, – uh, you know, quick, quick uh, balls outside where you can, you know, where you can uh, run after the catch. So, but it, it, it all depends on what, the, you know, the, the only question mark in that line right now is left tackle. Uh, but Jordan Mulata started 10 games last year. I don't know what Andre Dillard's going to do, but I mean, you know, I have a lot of faith right now in Jordan Mulata's development. So does uh, Stout apparently. Um, so, you know, if everybody else stays healthy, if Brooks comes back, and can stay in one piece. Same thing with 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 Lane Johnson. This is going to be a very good offensive line. I was I was surprised. I don't know if you guys saw. Was it last week? Pro Football Focus, which is usually a big fan of, of the Eagles' offensive line, had yeah, them they had them low. Yeah. In the league. I, I don't yeah. see that. I, I see a top ten line here. Yeah, I, I think the concern is the injuries, and obviously Brandon at his age and Lane at his age. It's tough to picture them being out there for 16 games, but if they're out there, they're going to be a top 10 offensive line. I agree with you. You mentioned that left tackle position, Damo, and Stout talked to us last week. Did you glean anything from Stout's words? He spoke well about Jordan and Andre Dillard. Any Anything be, behind the surface, reading the tea leaves? You think somebody's ahead? You mentioned Mylotta. Yeah. I just he likes Mylotta better. Uh, uh, he's his Pygmalion. 
I mean, he, he took this guy from Olympic Clay, for God's sake. He, yeah. he, had never even, he didn't even know how to line up. Uh, he didn't know how to put on a helmet day one. He told us. He needed help. And, and, yeah, and, and, and Stout has turned him into a, a, a productive offensive tackle. So, um, you know, I, I also was, you know, I was impressed by, you know, we talked to Dillard last week, too. He sounds like a guy who gets it now and realizes he needs to come back in it with a different mentality. He's worked hard. He's stronger. Uh, but I, st- you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm a betting man right now, and you're asking me who's going to be the the uh, season one starting left tackle and, and who's going to be either uh, the swing tackle or a trade uh, waiting to happen, it's you know the the second would be uh, Andre Dillard. All right, uh, Damo, I guess I'm fascinated with the running game, and that's why I'm going back there again and a question about Coach Singleton. Um, This is something that I haven't understood for the last several years. We're going back to the Chip Kelly days, not just Doug Peterson, but Chip Kelly as well, because of Deuce Staley and his position as the running back coach on his team. Uh, Chip would say, and then Doug would say basically the same thing. When asked about deployment of running backs, how they chose, what plays they called, using the run back. Well, that was up to Deuce. The Deuce would roll out what running backs would be on the field on any given play, which I never quite understood. I wasn't suggesting that Deuce wasn't smart enough to pick the right guys, but if you have plays and schemes that specifically fit what a running back does well or doesn't do well, you would think that the coach who's calling the plays would actually make the decision as to who's on the field but both the last head coach and the previous head coach had complete confidence in Deuce Stout. Deuce is going to pick the right guy. I'm going to call the play, and that guy's going to make it work. Is Singleton going to have that same kind of gravitas here? Does he have a different type relationship with Nick Sirianni, who's going to be calling the plays? It has continued to boggle my mind through the last two coaches, the relationship between the running back coach and the offensive coordinator. How's it going to work with the new two? Well, I mean, that's, you know, it remains to be seen, Jody, uh, since we're just kind of feeling our way with all of these guys. I mean, we don't know right now whether the assistant head coach title is ceremonial, which it often is, or whether, you know, there's some substance to it. Uh, you know, with Deuce, you know, I mean, he was he had some in, input or at least was in the room when they would talk about get, the game plan. But he knew who needed to be out there when they were running the, something. And my guess is at least – early on uh, that these will be decisions running backs that will be the, the, the personnel out there will be the, will be this, you know, Steichen and uh, uh, single and uh, Sirianni as opposed to the running backs coach. You know, it, 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 Jamal talked about traits, Damo, and he, he said, you need traits and you need the, the runner, uh, the person, second down runner, you need the pass receiver, you need the pass protector. Uh, which is 100% right. We all know that. But if you need three guys to do do three different things, how much more difficult is it to run your offense? If you know Kerryon Johnson's in there to pass protect, but he's not good enough as an outlet receiver, if you know Gainwell's out there to catch the football, and if you know Miles is obviously first and second down, doesn't that hamstring you by nature? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, I always look go back to 2017 when they, they brought in Garrett Blunt, and his role was pretty clear. He was going to be the first down guy, and he was, and he was very productive at it. 
Uh, and they, and they, I mean, they didn't try to use them in the passing game. They didn't try to use them much on third down. Uh, I think when they pair down, I mean, in Gainwell and Sanders, you've got a, a two guys they think they can use in tandem because they can move them into the slot. They could, you know, they could do a lot of things with them more so in the passing game and the running game. Uh, you know, neither one of them are inside runners though, uh, especially Sanders. I mean, I, you know, he, he is not the one one area he has not impressed me yet in two years in this league is his ability to go between the tackles. He doesn't even want to go between the tackles. He bounces everything out. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Is it going to be Jordan Howard? Are they going to have to go get somebody else for that first down role? I think you need somebody in that role. doesn't mean you need to use them a lot. You can still, you know, line up on first down with, you know, with Sanders or with Gainwell. Uh, but you at least have to have a thumper. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know who it is right now because I'm, I'm not a big fan of Howard. I don't think he's got much left. Uh, so we'll see. All right, Damo, my last question, um, I'm going to give you a little cover here because it's a bit of a tricky question. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be because someone does something foolhardy. It could be tremendous work ethic. What Eagle player between now and when they report for the first day of camp is going to do something that is going to cause them to miss training camp time, maybe even <laughs> seasonal games. It can wow, be the fact that they're putting wow, in 10-hour days at the Man. gym, that they're working so hard, that they're so motivated. Or they could do something stupid. Uh, you you mm. don't even have to give us details. Wow. Just who is the most likely player to do something. Hey, we're rooting for it for other teams so we can trade Zach Kurtz, right? Well, the Eagles could do the same thing. Uh, what player is most likely going to do now, something? Now, has that... been around for a long time, but I'm going to be impressed if you can come up with this one. Come on, Damo. I got faith in you, buddy. You're asking me who, who's like the biggest knucklehead uh, on this team. Man. <laughs> and or the most hardworking, so motivated they're spending their life in the gym and they actually throw out a uh, bicep because they're working out that much. Boy. <laughs> uh, boy, I, I'm a, I, boy, you're, that's a tough one. I, I, okay. I, 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 I made you uncomfortable with the question. I, I think yeah. somebody's the host, somebody's the host is an a-hole. All right. I admit to it. I cop to it. My fault. My bad, Damo. I didn't want to put you on a spot like that. I really somebody's did. That's why I did. But yeah. I, I will back off and rescind the question. <laughs> I got I'll, always, I got to go. I got to go Hall of Fame last for me, Damo, because we had Dion earlier. He talked about Tommy Novus as Mr. Falcon should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what's your take on that? You're in the conversations. You've been in the conversations. When you have a team that hasn't had a ton of success, like the Falcons had over the years, but there are guys, Claude Humphrey finally got in. Uh, you know, Deep brought up Aeneas Williams, had a lot of bad years with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, how do you kind of weigh that when you have great players on bad teams? I've been a selector for 20 years, John, and it's been one of my uh, gripes is that they they punish players from bad teams. I mean, you look at the Hall of Fame, it's loaded with Packers from the 60s and Dolphins from the 70s and Steelers from the 70s. And, and I'm not shortchanging those teams, but my God, you know, there, there's a point where there are better players on teams that were bad. Uh, like you mentioned, Claude Humphrey. I mean, he was a classic case. Uh, 
you know, I don't know who this year, uh, you know, I just know, you know, I've been trying to get Eric Allen in for several years now. He's finally made the, 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 the semifinals. He's made it to the final 25, but you know, he played for a great defense when he was here in Philadelphia. But after that, he went to the Raiders and kind of, you know, he kind of fell off the radar with a lot of people. And he doesn't really have anybody to – any coaches, to, you know, Buddy Ryan's dead. Jeff Fisher doesn't seem inclined to want to talk about him. I, there's nobody to, to speak for them, uh, you know. So I don't – you know, but there's a lot of those kind of players. I mean, Harold Carmichael is a classic example. He's finally He's finally in. Uh, he'll be inducted. He, he was inducted, you know, he, he yeah. won last year and will be inducted in July, but or August. But, you know, there are so many of those guys that suffer because of the uh, prejudice towards, uh, you know, good teams. Uh, so it's hard to pick out one because there are a lot of them. Damo, keep fighting a good fight for Eric Allen. You have uh, my backing and agreement. Uh, the guy was a whole. Fame level cornerback. Real quickly, Cody. I mean, this year's this year the big, and and I, and I have no say in this because it's going to be picked by a separate committee. Uh, but you know they have a coaches uh, category now, and you know they they put in three three or four over the last two years. Well, this year it, it kind of comes down to to Dick Vermeil and and and, and Mike Holmgren. Uh, you know, both are going to get in at some point in the next two three years. You know, but Dick's 84, 85 years old now. Yeah, uh, nice, I don't know yeah. if age should be taken into account, but I think it should in this case because Mike's 72. Uh, he could drop dead tomorrow. But, I mean, I, yeah, Dick, Dick team. Anybody remembers the Rams, you know, what he did with the yeah. Rams? He belongs in the Hall of Fame, and I'm hoping that that, that happens this year. Nine. I feel much better about asking Damo the tough question because he went drop dead tomorrow all on his own. <laughs> I I didn't push him into that one. He went there all by his lonesome. Let that be noted. Yeah. Uh, we're, all, Damo, we're, all we're all old guys. We can talk about people dropping. We dead. know. Yeah, we know. Yeah, you, you, you got to work on that gray a little bit. Yours is still black. How the hell right. you still got black in there? And McMullen right. and I just have pure white I, at this time. I gave up. It's a, but we're all day to day, Jody. We all know it. So all you day can day. say. Damo, and Damo, Nick and Mike belong in either way. So yeah. Agreed. Damo, good stuff. Thanks for coming on, buddy. We'll tap into you again as we try and make it through the summer. Thanks for giving us eagle thoughts today. Thanks for having me, guys. Paul Domwich, Daily News Inquirer, Hall of Fame voter. And he or John or I could all drop dead today. Right. And then it'd be a whole different Birds 365 yeah. show tomorrow. But it'll go, doing it by himself. it'll go on. Good it'll luck go on. with that. Oh, no, Me do it without McMullen. Really good luck with that. I yeah, was please. assuming uh, I would be the one dropping dead. But you are getting blood work. I'm, I'm getting blood work done good. today. I could right. get a bad needle. You never know how this is going to go. Never know. And we got almost 22 hours before we got to do it again. Uh, we'll take a quickie timeout, come back, put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. All right, coming down to the home stretch of a Monday edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, Mac and Mac guys. Uh, we only got a couple minutes left here, JM. And uh, here's the last thing I want to add to today's show. I want to thank our stream team, the guys who uh, watch us every single day, hop on the stream, put their comments in our stream, and try and keep us on the straight and narrow. Uh, thank you very much for doing it, guys. I do keep an eye on the stream every single time I do the show. Um, we don't answer direct questions from it, but we do appreciate your contribution to the show. Off today's stream, I can tell you, John, they don't like us talking about vaccinations. That you know, A bunch of the guys are saying, hey, don't bring it up. It's just not I don't want to hear you it's guys important when you when, you, when you're an Eagles fan and half the team can't play because they're in quarantine. And, oh, by the way, they're completely healthy. It's a it's a tricky subject. So unfortunately, I agree. I don't like talking about political stuff because you have these two bickering sides who have no concept of of, uh, of of middle ground or anything of that nature. It just drives me insane. 
My point is competitive advantage. This league, Jody, has proven they don't give a you-know-what. If you don't have a player, people talk about competitive advantage. Roger, Roger Goodell made it very clear last year. Look, you don't have fans because of local government? Tough. Somebody else has fans? You got to go play there? Tough. If somebody You don't have a quarterback, as I brought up with the Denver Broncos, because everybody's healthy but in quarantine? Tough. You got to play the game. That's my point. That right. is relevant to the NFL. And when they have put rules in place where if you get 85% vaccinated, then you get to relax protocols and you get to go around without man and you can prepare more easily for an upcoming game or a season or whatever. We didn't put these in place. The NFL oh, put these Jody, in place. Roger Goodell decided to put these in place. And if you think we just should ignore them because it's uncomfortable to talk about, well, sorry. Jody, I, I got I to gotta break in because we got to – you know, usually this happens five minutes after the show is over. Eagles have their third quarterback, Nick Mullins. Oh, they did sign Nick Mullins. You yes. were you were on the Nick Mullins bandwagon last week. I'm not nearly as big a fan. I saw Nick Mullins play last year. At times, surprisingly good. At times, not surprisingly awful. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. All right. Well, we know what we'll be talking about tomorrow. That's for damn sure. A little bit more of the QB3. Uh, but before we do go away, I got to just run this one by you as well. I didn't know it was this easy from Preston Horns, who hopped on our stream today. Uh, he suggested for the Eagles trade Zach Ertz to the New England Patriots for Stephon Gilmore and a third round draft pick and be done with it. Yeah, so, well, the, the, the Patriots just spent monster money on two tight ends. So they're not adding another tight end. So I'm going to scratch that one off right away. And and the bigger reason to scratch it off is not even the fact that they just went free agent and signed two tight ends. You're getting Gilmore and a third round pick. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, Are you kidding me? By the way, Jody, my mind shut off as soon as I heard trade Zach Ertz to the Patriots, to the Patriots because yeah, of that yeah. reason. But you're right, 100%. You they know just what? spent I, an enormous amount of money on two tight ends. Precedent, if I were you, I'd hold out. I'd want the third plus uh, Gilmore. Yeah, why plus, not? Yeah. I, I want another fifth on top of that. Get no. that second pick included. Be a hardline negotiator, Howie Roseman. You no. can do Bill Belichick. It's doable, my friend. You might as well force the Patriots to uh, get Tom Brady back and put him in the deal for <laughs> to be the third string quarterback uh, instead uh, of Nick yeah. Mullins. We don't instead need Brady Nick now. Mullins. Now that we yeah. got Nick Mullins, we don't need that Brady yeah. character. Uh, again, thanks to the stream team. And guys, sorry if we from time to time have to talk about stuff that you don't feel comfortable about us talking about. Good, bad, or indifferent. We're going to be here every day talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Johnny Mac, I will see you again in 22 um, uh, hours. Get all your Nick Mullins info in uh, uh, in line and ready because – Got to get on it. I'm I'm not a fan. Uh, I don't need to look him up. I know what I saw, my own two eyes. I'm if a big Nick, fan as a third-string quarterback. You ain't, get, you, you ain't doing better than Nick Mullins as a third-string quarterback. Well, what is it we've been talking about the last couple of weeks uh, that they need to get younger? They got younger on the coaching staff. Be nice to get younger players. The third string quarterback should be a guy who's played this many plays in the National Football League. 
Zero. Zippity Dudai should be a development guy. Not Nick. Yeah, he helped the 49ers lose games last year, Mullins. But that's eh, he's only 26. Eh, he's eh, he can't play. But that's, again, my opinion. And you'll be back here for our opinion tomorrow, 22 hours from now. Until then, have a good Monday, everybody. Be back here for Birds 365 manana. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.